Hey, New Life Gillette Church, we are thrilled you decided to listen to our teaching on your favorite podcast app. If you made a decision to follow Christ today, would you let us know by visiting yes.newlifegillette.com. Here is this week's teaching. All right, we are starting a new series today called Acts. It is all about leadership lessons for the church. So we're not going to go verse by verse through Acts like we do some books. I don't know if you know this, but Acts is a giant book. We've tried to go through it before, and it ends up being years long. So um, Acts is actually the second part of a two-part work. It probably should be called First Luke and Second Luke, but they wanted to put Luke in the gospel. So Luke writes two different books. He writes the book of Luke, and then he writes the book of Acts. Um, and Acts is his second book. So Acts is kind of the second part of a two-part work. So if you really want to get the full picture, you read the book of Luke, which is a very long book. Um, I'm doing an entire study verse by verse through the book of Luke in my podcast. If you'd like to listen to that, you can do that alongside this study in the book of Acts. And if you want to get the whole thing, but my encouragement to you is because we're not going to get to every verse in the book, that if you'd read the book along with us as we're doing this, you're going to get much more out of it. And as we read through the book of Acts, you're going to recognize that it has a very specific theme. And I would say the book of Acts is a baton pass. I was watching some uh, sports bloopers this week of people who were trying to pass batons in races. You know how that works in the, the uh, relay? It is hilarious watching one person stumble over the person they're trying to help succeed and they, their feet get caught up in each other. And in the handoff from one person to another, people get, it, it usually, the, or often the baton gets dropped and people fall and all kinds of crazy things happen. That baton pass is difficult. And the book of Acts is a picture of that Baton pass. While Jesus was on earth, he led the movement. He was the teacher. He was the pastor. He was the shepherd. He was setting an, an example about how we should live our lives. But then he ascends to heaven. And when he ascends to heaven, he empowers his disciples, his followers, the Christians, to then take the baton and lead the movement. And that baton pass from Jesus to his disciples is the story of Acts, and it's an incredibly powerful story. I think the key verse of the book of Acts is Acts 1.8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is kind of the mission statement, the topic of the entire book of Acts. If you can fully grasp this book or this verse, you kind of get the whole picture of the whole book. And in this verse, you get all three themes of the book as well. The three themes that I see in this book are number one, power. When the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Number two, purpose. Telling people about Jesus. And where are we going to tell the plan? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, Christians, for history, have been unleashed to launch the church. And right before Jesus leaves this earth, Jesus gives us these marching orders. 
So let's go through them one by one. What are these instructions that Jesus gives us? Well, the first instruction is the Holy Spirit's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to give you power. Now, we're Wesleyan, and I, I, if you don't know, we're Wesleyan, by the way. Wesleyans aren't always comfortable with Holy Spirit talk, right? Wesleyans are the type of people who think, you know, the Holy Spirit shows up and everybody goes crazy. Let's just do the predictable, right? Let's just do the easy, mundane, the things that we understand. We'd rather, rather than the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we'd rather Father, Son, and Holy Bible. That's just easier, predictable. The Bible doesn't change. I can just go back to it. Others of us are not quite so uncomfortable with the unpredictable Holy Spirit. Others of us are quite comfortable with spiritual language, spiritual talk. But I would say, and the point I want to make today, is that the Holy Spirit is more than just the one who shows up and crazy things happen. I believe that the Holy Spirit is what makes our relationship with God personal. The Holy Spirit takes what at one point was impossible for us and now makes our relationship with God personal, individual. Before the, before the Holy Spirit came to the church, God's children had to rely on a mediator to relate to God, right? A priest, a, a, a man who would hear messages from God and deliver it to God's children. Well, no more. That's no longer the case. Now we have a direct connection, direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells within all of his children. Now that's somewhat of a controversial statement. Some of you won't agree with that, and that's okay. We don't have to agree with this. But if you are a Christian, I believe that the Holy Spirit is already in you, and he is the one who makes it possible for you to have a personal relationship with God. You don't have to wait for some crazy supernatural miracle to happen in your life for there to be evidence that you have a relationship with God or for there to be evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Yes, the Holy Spirit empowers those type of events, but those events are not what cause the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. So if you haven't experienced some crazy supernatural event in your life, it does not mean that you're not saved. It doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship with God. Acts tells us that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, we're, uh, we're doing a, a raffle right now for blessings in a backpack. If you buy a raffle ticket, you get a, a gun. Uh, you, you, somebody messages me on Facebook this week and she says, hey, I want to buy a raffle ticket for that blessings in a backpack raffle. Um, could I buy it? And, but I live out of town. She's one of our church 307 attenders. And she says, if I win, no, 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 that's not what she said. She said, when I win, will you keep that gun for me? And I'm like, sure, I'll keep that gun for you. No, she means uh, until I get there, until I come get it. Her confidence, when I, now I think that's not entirely what this verse is saying, but there's a little bit of confidence in this. Like a prophecy. Listen, the Holy Spirit, it's not just maybe someday possibly. When the Holy Spirit comes, mark it on the calendar, it's coming. What does that look like? What does that type of interaction with the Holy Spirit look like? Austin Lloyd-Jode says that being God's child is like walking through life with him hand in hand. You're walking down the beach 
making footprints in the sand, maybe. I don't know. And then every once in a while, God whips you up in his arms and he squeezes you and he says, you are my child. You are mine. And I think Holy Spirit encounters are kind of like that. The, the relationship is there and, and we're still walking hand in hand, but every once in a while, it's a little bit more intimate, right? He whips you up in his arms, usually in a time when you're desperately in need of him. And he says, I love you. You are mine. And that's a little bit of what it would look like to have a, the Holy Spirit coming up on you encounter. In a sense, that is empowerment. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. How much courage do we get knowing that God himself dwells within us? And so when we talk about doing ministry and recruiting you to volunteer, our long-term goal is not to recruit you to do new life's ministry. Our long-term goal is not to recruit you to step into our calling. My long-term goal is to empower you for your ministry, to give you some experience and some, some courage and some connections to God that you didn't have before so that you can fully become who you were created to be, so that you are empowered for your ministry. Because Acts is a story of a bunch of screwed up people, a bunch of nobodies, sparking history's greatest movement. Like this world has never seen anything like it. Nothing like it ever before or ever since or ever in the future will ever happen like the movement of Christianity, the spread of Christi Christianity around our world. And we're just getting started. And that was the plan all along, to use people. And use people to do what? What's the purpose? Telling people about Jesus. So Jesus left people in charge of the church. And that's hard for us, right? I mean, there's a lot of skeptics of Christianity who say, wait, you want me to trust the Bible. You want me to trust a book written by men and trust that it was inspired by God? I know men. I know people. And I know we're screwed up. And that is a little bit of the faith that is required of us, right? At some point, we have to trust that these men were inspired by God, and there's some evidence to prove that they were, but at, at some point, we have to do some trusting, and then we have to take it one step farther, maybe, maybe even harder. We have to trust modern-day pastors and theologians to do some interpreting for us, because there's a trend in Christianity of deconstruction, and it's this terribly unhealthy habit of, I'm going to ignore everything I've ever been taught. I'm going to know everything any, theolo any theologian or pastor tells me, and I'm going to come to all my own conclusions. Well, here's the problem. You can't do it. There's too much history. There's too much knowledge. There's too many languages. There's too many books by, written by too many different people over too great a time for any one person to interpret it all inevitably, we would all come to terrible conclusions if we truly deconstructed. So at some point, we have to say, I'm going to pick a couple people that I trust, and I'm going to trust their interpretations, at least of portions of Scripture. So I want to take a little detour here and ask you 
two questions. Who will you choose to follow as a spiritual leader? You got to pick somebody. Otherwise, you deconstruct and end up some, with some crazy ideas, and we see it happen all the time. So who will you choose to follow as a spiritual leader? And this is difficult, right? People are screwed up. I'm screwed up. What? Can't help him. I'm on an island up here. No. I'm screwed up. I, I'm talking about in terms of sinning, not in terms of who I cheer for or who I serve with. There, there you go. So, so the question is, who? Who, who will you follow? Uh, at what point will you say, you know what, Mike, I know you're flawed. I know you've committed sins. I know you've screwed up, and I know that you're going to screw up again. In the f- It sounds like I'm going to confess an affair or something. I'm not. Darcy's the only person I ever slept with before in my life. <laughs> I'm not about to confess some big sin. But at some point, you have to say, Mike, I know you're screwed up but I'm going to follow you anyway. Or maybe it's not me. Maybe it's somebody else. You say, you know what? I know pastor so-and-so or theologian so-and-so is screwed up, but I'm going to choose to follow him anyway because I think his heart is in the right place. And then ask yourself a question, a second question. Who will you choose to lead as a spiritual leader? Who will you follow? And then who will you lead? Spiritual leadership. Now, most of us, when we think of that, we're like, nobody I know I'm screwed up. You don't got to convince me of that. So how am I going to lead anybody? The reality is there is somebody behind you on the spiritual journey. Somebody gave their life to Christ yesterday or last Sunday at church. Find that person and lead them. They're behind you on the journey. Say, hey, let's go. Let's do this together. Let's learn together. Let's mature together. All of us are scared to get started though, right? I think spiritual leadership is kind of like golf. I've been golfing too much lately, so everything is kind of like golf, but golf is really hard to get into because no one wants to look dumb, right? And when you golf for the first time, you are going to look dumb. Everyone does because it's an incredibly complicated, difficult sport. At some point, if, when we get started, everybody's going to look like this. Hey, he hit the ball that's better than a lot of us on our first swings. But if you want to be a golfer, you have to accept, I'm going to look dumb. And you have to just get started. In the beginning, you're going to look dumb. So make the beginning now rather than later, right? Get your pride out of the way and just get started. When it comes to our Christian mission, when it comes to leadership in the church, I believe that we are all called to serve. Every one of us called to serve. And the great thing is that God says, if we will adopt his teachings, if we will follow his instructions, then he will produce fruit. Then he will be the one to do through us what we cannot do on our own. You cannot be good enough to produce spiritual fruit. But God, if you will surrender yourself to him, if you will follow his instructions and allow him to use you, then he will produce what you cannot because we screw up all the way through it. 
but he will use us. I, I think we are a little bit like apples. Apples. I can count the seeds in this apple. If I were going to cut it open, I bet you I could count the seeds in this apple, but there is no way I can count the apples in this seed, in just one seed in an apple. Why? Because if you plant a seed and then you give it the right nutrients, you put it in fer fertile soil, then it will produce incredible results. And the number of apples that will result from this seed being planted and nurtured could be uncountable. Orchards upon orchards from one seed could occur if each seed is nourished and cared for. And this is what has happened to the Christian church, right? Seeds were planted and those seeds produced more seeds and those seeds produced more seeds and the church became what it is today. What does a seed need? Well, an, an apple's seed needs water and sun and poop or some kind of fertilizer. Whatever it is, I don't know, I'm not some expert in how to grow things. I've been trying to grow grass in my backyard all summer. That's not working, so I don't know how to grow that stuff. But you are a seed. So you ask yourself, what, does, what do you need? What nutrients do you need to grow? to mature, and then produce other fruit. You may not look impressive right now, but when God looks at you, he sees an orchard. He sees incredible possibilities. So when you wake up and read your Bible, share your faith with somebody, pray every morning, when you do a lot of these small actions that God instructs us to do, it doesn't look like much, right? But those actions and the, the, the faithfulness to God, we believe with all of our hearts can produce incredible results. Orchards. And Paul says, I know when you're doing the little things and when you're, you're going day, day by day doing the little actions, it may be discouraging, but don't get discouraged. Let's not get tired of doing what is good. It doesn't seem like a big thing when you're patient with your kids. It doesn't seem like a big thing when you honor your wife or when you choose not to spend money that you could have spent or when you make good decisions, treat other people kindly. But each of these small decisions are nourishment to your soul. They, they allow the seed to sprout and produce fruit. You are the seed and you are being nourished as you follow him. So don't get tired of doing what is good and at just the right time, not instantaneously, not overnight, but after a long journey of nourishment, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Blessings for others, blessings for us, if we don't give up. Here's the reality. The church, not New Life, but the Big, big C Church, is desperate. 
desperate for leaders. We need more leaders. At New Life, we need leaders everywhere from in the parking lot to lead pastors that we can plant in Casper. We need leaders who will step up and lead in kids' classrooms. And when you look at the church, when I, when I look at church leaders and denominational leaders, and I'm beginning to see a little bit of desperation in the church. Why? Because God continues to call people to himself. There are revivals happening all, over around, the, all around the world right now. But there are not enough people who are stepping up, not just to be consumers, not just to sit on the sideline, but in, to get in the game and be a part of God's mission in the world. And this isn't a new problem, right? We've seen this throughout history. Even in Jesus's time, what? Jesus says that harvest is great. In other words, the orchard has been planted. There's apples popping up all over the place. But the workers are few. We need more leaders. At New Life, we've decided we're going to stop calling volunteers volunteers and start calling volunteers leaders. Spiritual leaders. We need more leaders. But here's the good news. Here we are. We're right here. Not all of us has jumped in the game yet, but we're, we're right here. God has given us everything that we need to do what he has called us to do. But Mike, I'm brand new to the church. This is my first Sunday. I don't know much about the Bible. So what? Jesus used fishermen, sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. These are the people God used. I'm assuming he can use us. I'm assuming there's something he can do with me. So what do we do? The workers are few. So what do we do? So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. It's not our responsibility. It's not all going to fall apart if I don't step in. If I don't do it, some rock is going to do it. God's got a plan. He's going to carry it through to, to the end. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. He'll do it. Ask him to send more workers into his field. So that feeling that you have whenever somebody asks you to do something and you kind of push it off and you think, I probably should, but I'm going to text. I probably should, but that game on my phone is calling my name. Don't push it away. Because in this moment, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to you and within you. And yes, you can resist him. And many of the crazy supernatural things that could happen as a result of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit don't happen because of our resistance, because of us shoving away those feelings as he's speaking to us, as he's giving us desires, and as he's leading us in certain directions, we shove it away and go our own way. The church needs more leaders. And I believe that there are new lifers with untapped leadership potential, spiritual leadership potential, so what should you do? Lead. How? By serving. Lead the way Jesus did. Surrender. Lower yourself. If you're ready today, simple step, pull out your phone, scan the QR code. There's a QR code on the chair in front of you, or you can scan this one. Sign up. 
And I'm asking you to do it today because I've, we're, I've got something special. We've got something special planned for you. If you do this, I want, there are two things that I think can result from signing up to, it's just, just taking a step to volunteer at New Life. Number one, serving is stepping into your spiritual leadership. It's developing the spiritual leadership muscles. It's helping you to grow. And it's helping you to see that your service, even on a low level, can make an impact, can make a difference, can add lights to the wall. And number two, we want to nourish you in this process. We want to, we want to give you a coach. You have probably heard by now that we are adding a position to our leadership or our volunteer ministries here at New Life. If you're ready to start your ministry, sign up to serve in some area of the church and you will be assigned a coach who will begin to invest in you, develop you, nourish you so that you can become the person that God created you to be. At New Life, we even say, belong before you believe. Like even before you fully accept everything that you know to be true or that you've been told to be told or is true in scripture. Even before you have all the answers, start, take a step, begin your leadership, begin your ministry now. So you don't even have to be a Christian to volunteer at New Life. We have volunteer opportunities for everyone. Come as you are. Because we believe that it is in the coming that you will then become. That God himself will begin to sanctify you. God will change you. You're not going to perfect yourself. You're not going to make yourself holy. God will make you holy. God will grow you. God will mature you. If you will follow him. If you will just begin to move in his direction. Grow as you go. Learn as you serve. Because we believe God has given you everything that you need to do what he has called you to do right now. You are already equipped to do your next step. It could be volunteering at the church. It could be leading a life group. It could be making a bunch of money and giving it to people who need it. It could be sharing your faith with people at work or on social media. It could be inviting somebody to church. It could be writing a book or becoming a pastor. But you were called to take a next step. Take a next step toward your ministry calling. Just start moving in that direction. Your calling is different than mine. But we all have a part to play. Because we got a plan. What's our plan? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Marching orders. In other words, he's saying, start where you are. They're in Jerusalem. Start where you are. Start in your neighborhood. And then let it spread a little bit. And then go to the whole city. And then to your county. And then to all of Wyoming. Like, start where you are. And then the movement will spread because more seeds will be planted. And the orchard will grow. Until eventually, it will reach all the way to Gillette, Wyoming. Judea, Samaria, Gillette. Here we are. And we've got a calling to continue the nourishment of this incredible orchard. And then we continue on in the story. Acts 1.8 gives us the mission. And then we hear, okay, what happens next? After saying this, 
Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. Imagine this incredible scene. God's just given them their mission for the rest of their lives. And then he's taken away into a cloud while they were watching. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? He said, they're saying, what are you doing? You heard the mission. Now go back to Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the earth. Get started. Go. You don't have time to stand around. Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus had been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. You don't have much time. Your time on this earth is short, so get to work. Stop wasting your time. So they went back to Jerusalem. First thing they did was pick a new disciple to replace Judas, the betrayer. And then it was time to celebrate the Jewish holiday of Pentecost. They go back, they prepare all the Pentecost meals and everything, and they're all sitting together in this room celebrating Pentecost. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house there that they were sitting, where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. I don't have the words. Jesus is the word. I don't know what to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. Jesus promised that they would have power when the Holy Spirit came upon them and he came. And what was the result? They could speak languages that they never learned, that they never been taught. If you're afraid to speak because you don't know what you will say, I believe with all my heart and I've experienced it personally that God will give you the words that you did not develop on your own. He will lead you. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. So they created the church. And it was beautiful. A incredibly tight-knit community to support each other, to love each other. They gave generously to each other. They worshiped together. They shared communion together. They babysat each other's kids. Nobody was poor amongst them because they all shared whatever they had. It was a beautiful community, and this community began to spread. And each day, every day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Every day. And who did they add? Us. We are those who were added. And now we have a job to do. Can I tell you something? I am not happy with anything less than each day. Every day. If that's not our long-term goal, if this idea of reaching somebody for Christ every single day is not the long-term goal, I am out. 
but I am here because I believe with all of my heart that we have the potential to be an each day church. This year we are celebrating because there are 127 light bulbs up on that wall. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, we add a light up there every single time somebody for the very first time gives their life to Christ. And this year, 127 light bulbs have been added to the wall. 137. It's going up faster than I... 137 light bulbs. Actually, there's only a couple more holes up there and I'm, we're gonna have to like drape a cord over the edge or something, I don't know. That's the most we've ever had since I've been here up on the wall by this time of the year. And we are celebrating that. But a little bit of that celebration is giving me this urge, this put like, it's not enough, right? We're just getting started. We gotta go. We gotta be an everyday church. What does everyday mean? 365 a year is what that means. So we're behind. We may be ahead of where we've been in the past, but we're behind where we can be and where we will be. What if we became a 365 church? An everyday church where somebody was being added to the kingdom of God, where somebody was setting their eternal destination to heaven every single day through the ministry of our people, of us, of each of us being equipped and saying, I'm not okay with the status quo. I'm not okay with where I am. I'm ready to be used. I'm ready to be nurtured. I'm ready to take a next step and become who God created me to be. I have, we've been saying we're pregnant. I've never seen so many pregnant people in my life. Like the Holy Spirit is growing within us. A revival is growing within us. And what we have to be willing to do is say, okay, I want to be in. I want to be used. I'll take the next step, whatever it looks like. Even if you don't know what it looks like, just take a step and start following. Do something crazy. Do something risky. Be used by God. God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit is bigger and than any words that I can say. And you are speaking to people things that I cannot speak to them. I think that you, I thank you that right now your Holy Spirit is communicating on an individual level with every single one of us. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. God, I pray that you would give us courage to follow faithfully. I pray that you would convict where conviction needs to happen. Draw people to yourself. Make us more like you. Give us your heart. Break our heart for what breaks yours. Make us so passionate about the things that you are passionate about that we're ready to set aside what we want. That we're ready to set aside our comfort and our de desires. To fully give ourselves to you and become your hands and feet. Become your body who is used by you Mold us, make us. God, I thank you for your grace that makes it possible for sinful people, for me, a sinful person, to be called your child, a sinful person to be forgiven and have an eternal destination set for heaven. God, I thank you for your unconditional love 
And if there is anybody here today, God, that who does not know you, has not begun a relationship with you, has not begun a personal relationship with you, I pray that right now they would give themselves to you, that your Holy Spirit would begin a relationship with them, that they would open themselves to you, that they would seek help, that they would reach out and tell someone they're ready. God, we thank you for what you've done and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.